0: Welcome to SLP Learning Series, a podcast series presented by SpeechTherapyPD.com. The SLP Learning Series explores various topics of speech language pathology. Each season dives deeper into a topic with a different host and guests who are leaders in the field. Some topics include stuttering, AAC, sports concussion, teletherapy, ethics, and more. Each episode has an accompanying audio course on speechtherapypd.com and is available for 0.1 ASHA CEUs. Now, come along with us as we look closer into the many topics of speech language pathology. Welcome
1: to the podcast mini series on the neuro presented by speechtherapypd.com. Thanks for joining us for our second episode, Warming Up Your Body, Warming Up Your Mind. This audio course is offered for 0.1 ASHA CEUs. I am your host, Dr. Tabia Pope, President and CEO of Head to Speech Incorporated. Here are the financial and non-financial disclosures. I am the host of this podcast and receive compensation from SpeechTherapyPD.com. My non-financial disclosures are that I am the founder, president, and CEO of Head to Speech Incorporated, a nonprofit organization. My guest this evening, Shawnee Harley, receives an honorarium from SpeechTherapyPD.com for this episode, and no relevant non-financial re- relationships exist. And now, here is a little bit about my guest today. Shani Harley earned a master's degree in coaching studies and is one of the most highly certified coaches in Canada. Shani has over 27 years of elite coaching and leadership experience. She is a two-time Olympian as a former assistant coach for Canada basketball and spent 20 years as a college basketball head coach in Canada. Shani trains and mentors both advanced and novice coaches from all sports. She also works with athletes and parents, as well as managers and leaders from all walks of life. She helps people shift from good to great and become the best version of themselves. She teaches them how to win from within so they show up and encourage and have confidence on the biggest day, the biggest stage of their life. Fear to Fierce is her most popular mental toughness training, and it includes a variety of athletes, parents, and coaches. They are building a toolkit to manage the voice of self-doubt and face the storms that sport and life are always bringing. Since winning matters, not only in sport, but also in business, she has become a sought after corporate coach, leadership coach, life coach, and motivational speaker. Her vast experience in the elite world of sports transfers directly to the boardroom where success is talent-oriented and people-driven. Teams and leaders are raising the bar after taking her sessions, building a winning team, transform managers to leaders, and ignite the leader within. The On the Neural podcast features guests who are either emerging expanding or influencing within the neural community, as well as those who can speak on topics related to brain injury, sports concussion management, and overall brain health. Welcome, Shani, Harley. Thank you so much for joining me on On The Neural Podcast.
2: Yeah, let's do this.
1: (laughs) I am so happy to have you on because let me just start off by, by saying, you know, which category describes you the most and why this podcast for emerging, expanding and influencing within the neural community. So what, which one of those do you identify with?
2: I definitely consider myself an influencer. And certainly in this space that I work in, in sport, the mental toughness space, it needs more influencers. So I, I try to be at the front of the line for that.
1: What's, what's one tip that you, or one thing you've learned as an influencer in your space of mental toughness and, and high performance coaching?
2: What I've learned is that not everyone likes influencers. Hmm. And why is that? (laughs) Because we poke. Like for me, when I think about the word influencer, I, it's like change maker and we don't fear change. We fear being changed. So I think it's influencers jobs to help people get over the fear of being changed and so I I poke and not everyone likes to be poked.
1: And I think we're going to do a little bit of that poking with this episode because this episode is really asking athletes, is asking speech pathologists, those that are working with athletes, and sports concussion management is asking parents and, and coaches to really think about sports concussion and, the, and facing the fears that they may have with sports concussions, right? So that's what we're talking about this evening. So my first question is, how can speech pathologists help athletes to manage the fear behind concussion?
2: Well, you started with one of my favorite topics, which is an F word, fear. And I call it an F word because in sport, we're not allowed to talk about that. We're not allowed to be fearful. We're supposed to fake it till you make it, another F word, and hide from any negative feelings. What I see is athletes are fearful full of fear, full of fear. They haven't even had a concussion yet. (laughs) They're full of fear. Then we add the concussion in there. I would say my best tip would be that we walk right toward the fear instead of away from it because athletes are trained to walk away from their fear. Hide it, avoid it, don't talk about it, shove it under the carpet. I think speech pathologists can go, oh, no, we're walking right toward this F word. I want to know what your deepest fears are about this concussion right now, what it might mean in the future. So let's sit down and let's put our feelings, another F word, let's put our feelings on, on the table. I just feel like that is so important for athletes to be able to have someone in their corner who says, you know what, this person gets me. They see that it's not just, oh, you had your concussion? No problem. Follow the protocol, get better, boom, problem solved. This person sees that it isn't that easy for me. As much as we can, we need to help athletes feel seen, heard, and understood. And they are very fearful as they're going through this whole concussion process
1: what what are some of the fears that you talked about that they begin with even even before they've sustained a concussion what are some of those fears that they that you know athletes have to deal with and then what are some of the fears that you think are that they are fearful of when they have a concussion
2: so let's take concussions out we're just saying here's your athlete They're all afraid of the exact same things. Oh, and this is what's so interesting. They don't know this, right? As soon as I ask them, what are you afraid of? They're like, what's what's she talking about? Because no one's ever asked them that before. So once, anyway, once we get going, sport only rewards winning and stats being chosen for an all-star team, getting a scholarship. So sport only rewards outcomes, playing time, stats, points, and as I said, winning. So if that's the only thing that's rewarded, think about what the fear is. What if I don't win? What if I'm not the leading scorer? What if I don't get to have a scholarship? What if I'm sitting my butt on the bench? The fear comes because what if I don't get these things, What is really wrapped up in here is, so this is what I teach them. I want you to get that you're actually not afraid of a thing. Winning is a thing. Losing is a thing. Scoring points is a thing. Not scoring points. We're not afraid of things. We're afraid of our feelings. We're afraid of how we feel when the thing happens. I don't get what I want. What's really wrapped up in that is one of their biggest fears is what I call FOPO. I don't call it FOPO. Someone else did. F-O-P-O. Fear of people's opinions. Mm. Because when we lose, someone's going to have an opinion. And I'm actually going to call it what it is. It's called a judgment. Someone's going to have a judgment. Oh, it's a negative judgment. When I don't score as many points as I'm supposed to, someone's going to have an opinion, a negative judgment. And they are in fear of all of these things, these outcomes that I'm supposed to get. When I don't get them, somebody, somebody's, is going to judge me negatively. And social media has a huge, huge impact in the negative judgment. So those are, the, those are the underlying fears before they even got the concussion. So let me pause there.
1: I was going to ask you about just what's lacking within the sports community. Because I know that we, and when addressing athletes' health, we don't talk about their maybe overall well-being, their, their, that fear, but their health. Can you talk a little bit more about what do you think is lacking from the sports community regarding dealing with sports concussions and just the overall well-being of the athlete? Because we're, we're celebrating Mental Health Awareness Month as well. And it's important to think about mental health is the overall well-being of athletes.
2: Well, the leaders are fearful of the exact same things. So in sport, let's talk about the coaches. I I do a lot of client work, and I'll tell you the most fearful clients that I work with are sport coaches, because they're judged on one thing, winning, and yet we talk about we're building this culture and wow we we build great people, but that's not what they get paid for. They get judged by one thing only, which is winning. So when they don't win. The same thing kicks in for them. The fear of what everyone thinks when I don't win. What do people say on social media? What are people saying behind my back? Until our sport culture, particularly at the amateur and the youth level, gets back to remembering their why. Mm. Why did coaches sign up to do this in the first place? So I work with a lot of coaches, and every time I ask the question, you know what they tell me? I wanna build great people. I wanna teach them leadership skills. I wanna teach them confidence. Sport builds character. All of those good things, and then I go and watch, and the only thing that matters is the scoreboard. We have forgotten our why, and it's not the coach's fault, because the culture only rewards the outcome. And so think about what they're doing to the athletes because we're all trying to get this this one outcome and it comes at the expense often of mental health, physical health and all of the things that we said we were doing this for in the first place, it ends up coming at the expense of those things.
1: Where do the parents of athletes fit in with the overall well-being of athletes as well in their mental health?
2: They're critical. My experience has been, at certainly at the youth level, the parents are the biggest influencers because they're the ones that are in the lives of these athletes on a daily basis. And I, ask, I get asked often about my opinion from parents, you know, what What club, should I sign up with? And I'm like, don't pick the club, pick the coach. Because the coach decides everything. The coach decides the positive or negative of the experience that your child is going to have. It's better to go to a a non-winning club with a great coach than a winning club with a below average coach. But that isn't what we do. We always look for the winningest. So parents have a big role there. And I will tell you, I work with a lot of parents. They have the exact same fears. They're in fear all of the time. What if my child's not in the starting lineup? What if my child doesn't get to score the most points? What if they don't get the scholarship? How come those scouts are talking to that kid but they're not talking to mine what are parents saying about my kid to keep up with the Joneses parents so we're all living in this fear bubble athletes parents and coaches we're fearful of not getting the outcome that we desire and we're fearful about what people think when we don't get the desired outcome and parents get caught in this all of the time and the athletes end up Suffering because so I ask athletes, Where do you feel the biggest pressure? And they're like, From my parents and my coach. That comes out time and time and time again because the parents and coaches are in fear. What do we do when we're in fearful behaviors? We push, we pull, we try and take control. And so we put our fears onto our kids unintentionally. And the pressure that comes from parents and coaches. I'm not even talking about social media yet. Just parents and coaches. These athletes have a heavy load to bear unlike anything any of us had. There's nowhere for them to hide. They are, it's like every time they show up at their sport, they're standing there naked. They're completely exposed. Everyone's got a video, a picture, a Snapchat, a YouTube. They can't hide. And the parents and the coaches add to that pressure if they're not being intentional about what they say and how they behave around the athletes.
1: So I want to ask you, so as a speech language pathologist, working with athletes behind the scenes, when, when you are with the athlete, you're in a closed space and you actually have the opportunity to talk about sports concussions and their cognitive communication deficits that they may be having during assessments and and treatment and interventions. How can speech language pathologists move away from using adult speech or language that does not resonate with the athlete and introduce them to meaningful words and, and thoughts that truly serve athletes?
2: I think it begins with the phrase that you just used, how if if we were twelve or sixteen or 5, whatever the the age of these younger athletes are, how would we describe the experience that's going on? Because the athletes are exposed all the time to adult speak from their parents and their coaches. And so they're in this adult speak all of the time. I think that the one of the best ways to put ourselves into their shoes, and to use language that's meaningful is to talk less and listen more. I think another really important thing is to ask questions. And again, I'm just going to tell the other, the people listening, if you're like, wow, Shawnee's so smart. Like, man, I'm just going to ask questions. We're just going to rock it. I'll tell you what my experience has been. I go and I ask questions and I get silence on the other end. And what I'm learning is they have never, never, I hate that word, it's so infrequently do they ever get asked what they think. They are lectured, they're told what to do, they are directed, stand here, go here, get a drink, now your drink is over. Take this shot, don't take that shot sit down and listen. Now it's time to run. And you're going to run until I tell you to stop. It's time to leave. It's time to go. It's time. They, they are really good at being robots and puppets. I have to help them have a voice and have an opinion. And not only that, I want them to have a contrary opinion. I want them to disagree with me. And so I'll poke them sometimes. And you know what? They just sit there and they nod. And I'm like, do you know that I just told you something that's wrong? And you're sitting there nodding and they're like, I know that's just my habit. They have, they are so smart. They have so much to offer. And they have a heart that is so full of emotions that they don't know what to do with. If we all of us would figure out how to stop leading from the front and lead more from the side, and then figure out when to lead from behind, that's how we help create independent thinkers who have a voice, who have a voice, and have an opinion. And then, when we ask good questions and we become good listeners, I think we can then go. Oh, now I know how to respond to that. I listen to the language that they're using. Now I can mirror that language.
0: Are you taking advantage of our new amazing feature? The Certificate Tracker. The free CE Tracker allows you to keep track of all of your CEUs. Whether they are earned with us at speechtherapypd.com or through another provider. Simply upload your certificate to your registered account and you're all set. So come join the fastest growing CE provider, speechtherapypd.com.
1: I think that's important to understand the language and mirror the language that they're using. And you really do need to listen in order to mirror right? <laughs> what, what's being said. So you have to listen and then you have to use the language that, you're, that, you're, that you hear
2: that you're mirroring, right? I love that. Can I, I wanna add, I think it's not just listening for what they're saying it's listening to what they're not saying it's that listening that I'm reading your nonverbal body language I'm reading between the lines there's it's that intense it's that intense listening that almost becomes a feeling like I'm listening so intently that I can feel you
1: you know I also want to address how speech-language pathologists, this working with athletes is not, I would say it's, a, it's an area that may be new, a new area for speech-language pathologists to work with uh, sports concussions and work with athletic trainers and work with physical therapists in this setting. How can speech pathologists get over their own fear of working with athletes as well <laughs> and build their own you know, emotional intelligence with working with athletes as well?
2: I'm a fan of courage. For me, courage, it's, it's taking what Brene Brown teaches. I can be brave and afraid at the same time. And I think for us to be courageous, it means we understand maybe we're not good at something yet. We don't have a lot of experience with it. It's new. And... I'm going to try it anyways. In other words, I would encourage all the listeners to say progress is way more important than perfection. Begin. You can say that
1: again. You can say that again.
2: <laughs> progress is more important than perfection. Begin. Begin. Don't wait to feel confident, because confidence is an emotion based on results. Courage is an action, it's a choice, and decisions decide destiny. My other piece of advice, this is what I teach athletes, and myself, by the way, every time I, I'm coaching, I'm coaching myself. keepers. I'm working on all this stuff. I believe that courage says I'm going to walk toward my fear, rather than away from my fear. So whatever fears, the listeners have about working with that, walk right toward it. Walk right into the damn fire. And you're going to figure out you're more resilient than you thought. When you walk toward it, not only walk toward it, speak into it. Speak into it. That's courageous. You come in the very first environment that you're in that you haven't been in before you walk in, you be, you know what? Athletes? I feel just like you do on the very first day of practice. You know, or you walk in and you go, you know what, athletes, this is game day. How does everyone feel on game day? A little jittery, a little nervous. This is my game day. I feel, oh, we went right back to feel, didn't we? Yeah. We get in tune and in touch with how we feel and we walk right toward it. That to me is what courage is. There's a great quote that says, without fear, there can be no courage. So when we feel uncertain, it's the perfect opportunity to grow our courage muscles.
1: Wow. Thank you for that.
2: And I think
1: that this is a great segue into how do speech pathologists, how do we meet the athlete where they are? So how do we start to truly shift and, be in t- and, and learn how to be intentional with what we're working on with athletes? So they, athletes are working on physical exercises, you know, that's their, their realm. But we want them to work on the social, emotional, and cognitive communication strategies. So how do we shift? from going through warmups and workouts, to being intentional and warming up the body and mind to improve sports, emotional and cognitive
2: performance. The question is, is so important. I feel like it's, it's something we're not good at in sport, but then I just caught myself and I'm like, no, I think we're not good at that in general. Again, because it's really hard to reward emotional intelligence, self-awareness. It's hard to reward what we're thinking. Right? We but we we can reward what we're doing. I scored points, I won, I was the fastest, whatever. We can reward that, but it's really hard to reward this piece that we're talking about. What I encourage leaders to do anybody that's working with athletes is how can we help them get as intentional with what they're thinking as they are with what their body is doing? For example, most athletes, when I if I'm working with them, and I'll be like, "Okay, so you had a 15 minute warm up before practice, right?" You're taking, I ask them, "What were you thinking about during that 15 minutes?" they don't know. Like they'll have to be, they'll be like, Oh, they'll be, Oh, that's a good question. I'm like, I know. And I'm like, there's, there is this intention around, I think that we get to have say over what we think about. If we have, if we can create space Right there's um, there's that saying there's a space between stimulus and response, and in that space is our freedom. And I ask athletes, do you know? Are you aware that you can actually create this space when you're warming up? What's my intention for this training session? What's the, what's my intention? Most athletes in warm up, they're just getting through it. Can we hurry up? This is so boring.
1: It's their daily routine. It's the it's a it's just becomes robotic in a way because yes.
2: it's what they do right. all the time. And I ask, so I ask them, I, what I say to the athletes I work with, do you know that you've got that that fifteen minutes? You get to sharpen your mental toughness tools in that fifteen minutes. What a gift! What a gift! You get to decide during that warm up where you're going to place. Your, your attention. Because if you don't intentionally place your intention, your thoughts are going to do whatever the heck they want. They're going to be like small children running around on a playground. What I say, instead of that, be the boss. Be the boss of your thoughts. And use that 15 minutes to grow your mental toughness. Or in the case of if we're coming back from concussion, like think about how many things should be happening in that warm-up space for someone's brain whos who's been having this training, they're in concussion protocol. We really have to help them be intentional because sport does not help them with this.
1: I think that Definitely, speech pathologists need to think about this fifteen minutes of being, of being intentional and how we can incorporate those cognitive communication strategies for whether it be for sequencing the steps uh, to to the warm up or utilizing the equipment to help them with. Gosh. With, you know with warming up um, or sequencing and and thinking about memory, how can they also work on memory during this time as well? how can they work on their self-awareness because this is that is just being self- aware and they inhibiting behaviors during this this warm up? Can you think of any other
2: yes. strategies? Well, what you do you think, think about this one? Most this age group that we're talking about, very few in this, it's only the older athletes that can drive. So the majority of youth athletes, do you know how much time they spend in a car driving to and from? And I asked them, so it takes some of them. I know athletes that drive an hour and a half one way. That's not the norm, but let's just say 20 minutes. I don't know. I just throw that number out there. I asked them, what do you do during that 20 minutes? They're all on their phone. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, wow, imagine what you could get done with that 20 minutes if you had an intentional Mm -hmm. plan. Mm -hmm. Because nobody, and you know what's another good thing about that? Whatever your speech pathologist would like them to be doing, no one can see them. So they don't even have to feel embarrassed about it. Because they're in the car, nobody can see them. Mm-hmm.
1: So actually starting your intentional plan for your cognitive communication strategies, your social, emotional well-being, as you are in the car, going to your game, going to your practice, getting ready, getting in that space to perform at your highest, as your highest self, cognitively emotionally and then show up physically
2: wow you've, that's powerful you've hit it because i said to them i said what if you what if the car ride was your brain warm up you should practice your mental toughness tools but i'm like that's your brain your brain warm up because it's going to soon be go time so let's get your brain warmed up is there Anything
1: that any other tips that you may have for speech language pathologists providers that are working with athletes and in this in this space of emotional intelligence and really thinking about the highest level of of their performance of cognitively and um, you know is there any other tips that you may have
2: where my where my thought went from that question is. I tried to, it made me look at the gaps. So all the, like I've worked with hundreds of athletes and I'm like, what are they missing? I think we really need to help them. We keep using emotional intelligence and self-awareness, which I think are important, but I think we have to go for, cause that's the what we need to go. How? So I'll be like, yeah, I'm really emotionally intelligent. And I'd be like, well, how do you know? oh, I'm really self-aware. What's your proof and evidence? What I see in these youth athletes that is severely lacking, they do not know what to do with how they feel. And so their strategy is, how about not have the feeling? They block, they numb. What's the purpose of the phone? Block, numb, distract. Mm. they have a really tough time knowing what to do with how they feel. And so they push it away. So if we say that emotional intelligence is important, self-awareness is important. How do we grow those things? The number one thing that I do and that drives them freaking crazy. And I'm like, too bad. You have to eat your vegetables. You don't eat vegetables because you like them. You eat vegetables because they're good for you. So here's your vegetables. They, they want, they'll ask me a question. And what drives them crazy is I never answer it. I always come back with a question. Because I believe if we're going to build emotional intelligence and self-awareness, the most important role that I play is I must hold up a mirror. I must hold up a mirror so that they can see themselves better. That's what emotional intelligence is self-aware. I know who I am. I know what I am. I know how I'm feeling. I know what to do with how I'm feeling and what I'm thinking. I work really hard to hold up a mirror so that they can look in there and get an accurate reflection. And the way that I do that is I ask questions that cause self-reflection. As an example, this is a really common one. They'll ask me, okay, Kochani, I got a big game on Friday and I'm so nervous. Can you help? And so my first question is, why are you nervous? You see, now they have to go in. They're looking for the answers out here. I want them to go, you know what? The answers are in here. And then I guide. I want to be the guide on the side, not the sage on the stage. And I use questions to help them look in the mirror and see themselves better. So I'm really nervous. I'll be, why are you nervous? And they'll be, well, it's, it's a really big game. See how they didn't answer, they didn't really answer the question, so I have to keep going more. I'm like, it's a really big game. So what? What's what's what why does that make you nervous? And I just drill, drill, drill. I'm gonna ask you:
1: do you have any resources for a speech pathologist to with these with these set of questions or something that they can access that will provide them with this information that to give them a deeper? insight into how to guide athletes to think I about do. the inner.
2: I do. I don't have it at my fingertips. How can I get it to them or to you? Is that something you could include later on show notes or they can email me? Yes, I do they have. can email you.
1: So your, okay. email, it, your email is in the chat, but it's also shawnee, S-H-A-W-N-E-E at shawneeharley.com right shawnee dot com. so shawneeharley.com is where you can and and
2: thank you and if they can't remember what you said they go go to my website and all my contact info (laughs) is (laughs) there yes well shawneeharley.com
1: so i wanted to i was wondering you know because those are great questions Questions that you have, and I think that speech pathologists would benefit from having those questions. So when they're in their therapeutic sessions with athletes, or when they are doing consultations, whether it be screening, cognitive communication, or are doing assessments, or actually doing interventions and treatment, they have this this time where they can collect case history and they also can have this counseling session with the athletes and i think that's very important to build rapport with athletes obviously you know that has to be part of the process to build a rapport and to understand and to listen before you start providing in, you know interventions and because you want the athletes to be able to utilize the interventionists as well i have another question are there differences in how speech pathologists go about youth sports, high schools, high school sports, college sports, and professional sports? Or what are some tips of how we can approach athletes at different stages of their life? And you also have former athletes
2: as well. My experience has been the older an athlete gets, the the deeper their fears get hidden. My youngest client is 10. And the conversations that I have with that 10 year old are so transparent compared to, uh, you know, let's say somebody who's playing junior hockey. And, you know, was hoping to get drafted to the NHL. So we're, you know, we're way, we're a lot further down the scale. Our fears get more ingrained because the stakes get higher. That's the, that's, those are the biggest differences. Therefore, the more ingrained our fears are, the longer it takes for me to give you my trust. And if you don't have my trust, I'm going to protect myself from you and you're not getting the full story. Mm. And that's important with
1: concussion history too, yes. right? The underreporting of concussions and not getting the full history of really understanding how many concussions, because if you have three or more concussions, you're more inclined to have long-term cognitive communication disorders, early onset dementia, Alzheimer's disease, the Parkinson's disease. So- you as you get older, that that importance of building rapport, but also looking at the fear, the underlying fear, the 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 transparency if there are if they are being transparent about their history, all of that is important. And as and as you said, as you get older, that that trust that you ha- that they have to, have to be able to trust you in order for that for you to collect that history as well.
2: Yes, and this is where this. This twisty line comes in because their biggest fear is this concussion is going to exaggerate the thing that they're already most fearful of. Playing time, winning, stats, scholarships, and people's opinions. The concussion worry is that all of those things are going to get exaggerated. Now I'm going to play less. Now I'm going to score less. Now we're going to win less. Now I'm going to get recruited less. Now I'm going to fall out of favor with. Normally it's their coach that they're worried they're going to fall out of favor with. So the self-protection kicks in big time. We didn't talk
1: about significant others as well. As you get older, you also have more you have more of an entourage, I would say, you have other, you have agents involved now, you you know, you at the professional, you have a significant other, you know, you have other distractions. How does that, how do you deal with that as well?
2: I have a number of those athletes that I work with. And the biggest advice that I give them is keep your inner circle really small. So you've got this, this outer circle that can be your entourage but then you have to have an inner circle. I I think of it, think of it like a target in archery. You got all that noise going on in the target. And then there's that red bullseye that's really small in the middle. And I really advise them, keep that, keep that group small. These are your most trusted who will protect your heart. Not, not your career. And care for you are caregivers too. Yeah,
1: you talk about early onset dementia, Alzheimer's disease. Right. There's, are going to be your caregivers as well if
2: that right will happen to you as well. Yes, because yeah. agents will protect your career. That's their job. But this circle in here protects your heart, and when I say heart, your your beingness, you know, your humanness, who you are. When you don't have that sport, that, that's a small group of people.
1: If there are any questions that our, our audience has, please go ahead at this time and put them in the chat box for our guests this evening.
2: You know, I was thinking about the difficult job that your listeners have working with athletes. in just in the sense that okay, you talked about underreporting. And I've experienced that a lot. But the way that I see it is, it's not the athlete that's the blocker. They're under-reporting, but they're not the problem. They're under-reporting because they're worried about the penalty that they're going to pay Mm. from their sport. So whether that's their coach, their parents, their agents, social media, whatever, that's a really interesting dynamic to work through because I really think most athletes want to get through and over and fix this concussion in the most healthy way possible. They come with such good intentions, but they bring their fears of, I have to under-report because if I don't, I'm going to pay the price over here.
1: We have a question. Do you ever advise a player to stop playing because of too many concussions to to protect their future life?
2: Yes, in capital letters with 50 exclamation marks. Again, we I, I feel that we, you know, sport, there's so many great things about sport, and I've been at my whole life, but gosh, there's a side of it that we glorify and we glamorize and we try to make these athletes become warriors and gladiators. And we often do it for our, for our benefit, you know, for the benefit of an audience. And why did we decide to first sign up for sport in the first place? I think if athletes go back to when they first started playing sport, what do they remember the most? We don't remember the wins and the losses as much. We remember the experience. We remember the relationships. We remember the connections. We remember the road trips with our teammates. We remember staying in hotels and having pillow fights. If we forget our why, we will continue to play sport to the detriment of our long-term well-being. And I think that is a tragedy
1: enjoy enjoy those memories too you know and I think that's also important for speech pathologists to remember to integrate into their sessions those those connections that that the athlete has with the sport and not forgetting those important you know those important memories so if you're working on memory to ask about you know, their, their life and things that are happening in their life and pulling that into the session, because that's gonna, that's what they're gonna want to remember. That's what they want to talk about. They want to, you know, they want to talk about their connection to the sport as well.
2: I love that. I even think there's some good questions about, you can ask athletes, to know, what was the favorite trip that your team ever took and why? And most of the time they don't even talk about the comp, they talk about the journey there, or something fun that happened in the hotel room, or we went and played mini golf. I really like that because those questions actually bring us back to our why. Why did we decide to do this in the first place? Sport is supposed to make our hearts sing. Sport is supposed to help us shine our light, not dim it. And if we can remember to ask questions around that, you like you would just see the athletes just light up mm-hmm. when we can tap into these emotions, these feelings, this why I decided to do this in the first place. This is what makes my heart sing.
0: With special rates for all groups of five or more, along with our free student accounts, speechtherapypd.com, Continues to be the fastest growing CE provider. If you'd like this podcast and want to hear more, we are offering an audio course subscription special coupon code to listeners of this podcast. Simply enter the word SLP Learn for twenty dollars off. I
1: have uh, someone here says the recent news I've seen. Of young athletes taking their lives as eye-opening to see how much stress is put upon them and how much stress they put on themselves from all of the pressures. So sad.
2: Yeah, so I'm I'm pausing because I can just I can feel that. There have been recent suicides at the NC2A level, and, and I'm sure many, many that we haven't even read about. And it's so interesting when I read the stories, because when you look at the pictures of the athletes this is happening to, it looks like they have it all. A scholarship at Stanford, for heaven's sakes. A very highly functioning family. And I I think it brings me back to where we started this of I think to be able to have mental health, mental toughness, we have to be able to face our deepest fears. And I think we have to be able to be transparent and authentic about them. And I would say that these people who have taken their lives and all the ones that haven't, the burden that they're carrying is colossal they're hiding all the time from who they really are and they're hiding all the time from how they really feel because sport says you are only allowed they I think sport says you're allowed to have emotions are in two buckets here's the happy ones here's the crappy ones we're going to glorify you whenever you have the happy ones and we're going to teach you not to have the crappy ones. We got to do a better job. Sports are, in my opinion, emotions are in one bucket. They're called feelings because we're supposed to feel them. Let's help our athletes, our clients, our patients become emotionally intelligent, feel our feelings, all of them, and speak the truth about how we feel.
1: I think also how to become advocates for themselves when they like from a speech pathologist standpoint as well of how do we empower athletes to be to become advocates for their own accommodations that they may need to speak up, you know, how to get over the fear of speaking up for themselves and how to become an advocate.
2: Oh, that's a good one. My experience has been one of two things. Remember, I used the phrase psychological safety earlier. Did I use it? I can't remember if I did. Okay. The more confident the athlete feels in their relationship with who's ever in power, and in, in sport, it's their parents and their coaches are the people in power. The more safe they feel with those relationships, the more likely they are to advocate for themselves. Many athletes that I work are in situations where they do not, they might feel safe with their parents but they don't feel safe with the coach. And I think that's when we as outside leaders, we have to f- help them find an advocate for them. Because if they don't, they sit and suffer in silence. Cause they're like, I can't say this. I can't go tell my coach this. I can't tell my coach right now that I can't practice today because I have a headache. We then have to teach them how to bring in somebody to advocate for them. Because remember, we're coming back to the fears again. The fears keep getting in the way. And if the fear is in the way, they will stay silent.
1: But you also have those roadblocks because of the coaches and those in power that may not want outside entities like a speech pathologist or someone like yourself to come in and teach this empowerment as well how do we how do you know it's like how do we (laughs) get over these roadblocks and because that's another that's another issue of Uh, Speech pathologists, you know, I think that speech pathologists bring an outside, like you said, someone being on the outside where that, that conflict of interest, we don't have that necessarily that conflict of interest that some other medical professionals may have because they work with the athlete directly. And, you know, so how do we get over the, and how do we get over being able to Go in these settings and be transparent and, and provide the research that's needed, provide the, the interventions that are needed, and, and that's in and the athletic community be, be okay with that and receive that information too. Because we provide the information, if say if we go in and do research and we provide assessments and interventions and we find out there is a problem, that forces them to do something to have to do something about it. So if you're empowered, you have the knowledge now you have to do something about it you have to address it so getting into these spaces is not as easy as you think it is
2: because of the power so good i can tell you i've experienced that as part of coaching staff <laughs> that i've been on and all of a sudden we bring an outside person in and right away it's a cl- it's like it's a it's we shut the door gets shut quickly And that's an interesting dynamic because, so if I just go from my own experience, I've been on coaching staffs, we bring in an outside person for whatever. It doesn't matter if it's concussion, it could be nutrition, it it doesn't matter. Right away, what my fear, remember, where do coaches live? In fear. So here I am, my fear brain goes, oh, they're gonna come in and tell us we're doing it wrong. Oh, they're gonna come in and tell us that, here's all like, then we're going to have to go look at this. Like it's right away. My brain goes into all the reasons why I want to block them out. I think it would be helpful for people coming from the outside into an already established culture, whether it's healthy or not. We have to come in as friend, not foe. And my experience has been when we, when outside people come in, They come in like with guns blazing and bows drawn, and I got my shield up. And I'm like, I don't want you to come in here when you're coming in like that. It's, I would like the the importance of rapport building as well. (laughs) Yes, uh, there's a, they forget. I, what my experience has been, they come in, I don't know how to say this. They come in leading with their head instead of their heart. So they come in with all the research, all the literature. Here's all the studies. Here's the protocol. Follow this formula. Like they come and we're like, F you. Like we've been doing this for like eight effing years without you. Like right away. my There's an F word, another F word. I come in with that. What if we came in with our heart? We came in and said, you know what? My goal is to get your athletes back on the court as soon as possible. My goal is the same as yours to win more games, to have your athletes get scholarships. I don't know. But,
1: but that sounds like the language that they, that the language is also important, too, because it is. The outcome is outcome driven. So you, if right. you give them the benefit of the outcome of how this is going to benefit them and help their outcomes of, you know, then that sounds like the language that they, that they want to hear as well.
2: Right. And is it mirroring them? It's Hmm. it is the word that keeps coming to my mind is disarming. How do we disarm the listener? Because if you disarm me, I put my weapons down. If you don't disarm me, I got my weapons are up and my guns bigger than yours. Like I get to tell you when it's time for you to leave. If you disarm me It's I guess it's the difference between somebody coming and just freaking barging in the front door or knocking and saying, "You know what? I have some cookies to bring you." Rather than, "Here's my information." Whether you want it, like I I don't know if that's a good analogy also, but
1: also also assimilating to and understanding the athletic community and and getting like yes. understanding the culture, right? Yes. Sports culture. So if you could understand the sport, that's why this podcast is needed because we need to understand the sports culture. We need to understand all of those that are involved in order to service the community and, for, and or, in order to work with athletes, in order to address sports concussions and in order to address brain injury and, and be able to address cognitive communication deficits, Right. If we are going in and trying to address these issues, we also have to understand the culture. We have to understand what, what they're, how they're dressing, what are the, what's the language that's used, because all of that is going to be important in order to disarm. And I love that word, disarm, right? Disarm them.
2: Because the way, I'll just speak from a coach, my own coaching perspective, when you walk in the door, you're stopping me from getting the only thing that matters, winning, because you're going to pull someone off the court, someone off the field, and now we're not going to win, right? So right away, you, you, I don't want you because you're stopping me from this thing that sport only rewards, which is winning. Maybe it's helpful to come in with saying, instead of, here's what I have to offer. It's, it would be, what do you need? Right. It's the same thing that we talked about earlier. How do we build rapport with an athlete is we address their needs rather than here's how I'm going to fix you. I, I, I and
1: think, we, and we, and I, and I, and also going back to how how you conduct research and how you, how you, you know, I would suggest do a focus group. I would suggest uh, create a questionnaire. I would suggest, talking and having a meeting with those key figures, coaches and and, and athletic directors and those that are at the top of the sports management chain and ask them what their needs are so you can provide the services that they want, that they that they need, that they feel like they need. And it's kind of coaching them along the lines of you know I, this is what I have to offer, but I also hear what you need and how can we work together? I'm not here to say don't play sports. I'm not here to you know to to say you know your athlete can't play or you know I'm not here to to, to take away sports. That's not my goal. My goal is to help. My goal is to help you with these outcomes to make sure that you're getting the outcomes that you need. and that we are addressing. Athletes, cognitive communication, raising awareness that this issue that needs to be addressed. We're reducing the stigma. You know, we need to also address the stigma that sports concussion has. You know, as it's a bad word. You know, you say concussion, and, and it's a bad word or bell rung. And but in order to increase the reporting of the signs and symptoms, so if everyone is educated on the signs and symptoms, then and and educated also on a, the role of a speech pathologist because if you don't understand the role of a speech pathologist yes. what we have to offer right. then if that does happen if, if an athlete does have a concussion you don't know who to go to you don't you don't know and so that athlete is going to suffer The athlete in the long run they only have one brain and yes. so if they're not getting the help that they need if they're if we're not arming them with the strategies that they need to handle social emotional challenges. Mm-hmm. Cognitive communication challenges, mm-hmm. and they're just focused on warming up their body and not warming up their mind. We're doing a disservice. And we're all doing a disservice. You know, you, you have to take you play a role as a coach, just like I play a role as a speech pathologist. So we we have to understand each other's roles, right? So thank you so much, Shawnee. I mean, this is amazing. So if you want to contact Shawnee. Please go to Shawneeharley.com. S-H-A-W-N-E-E. H A R L E dot com.
2: Right there just, on my right there on my sign.
1: Yes, but if, it, if I'm not able to see it. Good um, point. Right. <laughs> so and you also can contact Sh- Shawnee at Shawnee at Shawneeharley.com. Right. So thank you so much, Shawnee. We truly appreciate your, you know, your education, your research and expertise you provided about warming up your body and warming up your mind. This is Dr. Tobia Pope. If you have um, any questions for me, please contact me, info at head to speech.org, or you can follow me at head to speech on Instagram and
0: Facebook. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Thanks for joining us at SLP Learning Series. Remember to go to speechtherapypd.com to learn more about earning Asha CEUs. We appreciate your positive reviews and support and would love for you to write a quick review and subscribe. If you like this and want to hear more, we are offering an audio course subscription special coupon code to listeners of this podcast. Type the word SLP Learn for $20 off. With hundreds of audio courses on demand and new courses released weekly, it's only $59 per year with the code. Visit SpeechTherapyPD.com and start earning ASHA CEUs today.